listening to The Moving Project. Welcome back, everybody, to The Moving Project. We are talking today about Canada immigration to the prairies. And I have Sonia Agugu with me today, and um, we'll be discussing the center, what we call the central provinces of Canada, and their entrepreneur programs that are available there. Hello, Sonia. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing yourself? Very good. Very good. It's morning for me, evening for you, and the 13 hours that separate each other. So um, very good dynamic going on, and I'm very excited to talk about the prairies because the prairies have a good history of PNP. They were some of the leaders in creating PNPs that works for the immigration policies. So very excited to talk and, and review the different programs available there. But before we do that, Talk to me a little bit about the prairies um, and what they're representing for Canada. So the prairies are, it's a region in Canada, which is constituted of three provinces. You have Alberta, uh, Manitoba, and finally Saskatchewan. The three provinces have roughly the same geological type. So it's mostly, um, that's why we call it prairies, because it's all prairies. There are barely any mountains until you make it to Alberta where you have the Rocky Mountains. But other than that, it's very, very flat. And there's also this cultural unity. So a lot of people call the prairies a little bit like the Texas of Canada. So it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more conservative on that side. Doesn't mean that it's close to immigration. It's just that their thinking is a little bit more to the right. And also what you find in the prairies is that you have a large European community. Because when Canada was actually developing those provinces, they brought a lot of immigrants from uh, Eastern European countries like Ukraine, even from the Russian Empire, you have from Germany and a lot of Scandinavian people as well. I, for one, am am from uh, Russian-Ukrainian descent, and I actually have a lot of friends that come from these regions because they are part of these communities, and that's how we met each other. So it's very interesting. Also, another thing that I would say that the prairies and most famous one of them is the Alberta, but it's they're very famous also for their natural resources. So they have a lot of oil, coal, natural gas, and most importantly, uh, agriculture. So you have wheat, cattle farming, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. And I'm sure that Miguel, you'd like to add a little bit more about it, but that's how I know the prairies in general. Yeah. And if I'm not wrong, actually, I think in terms of technology development, and I know there's a lot of our listeners that are in the technology industries and are looking into coming to Canada to start new business in the technology field. There's now, and I don't know if it's Manitoba or Saskatchewan, I believe it's Saskatchewan. There's, there's a cluster there for plant-based research. And I think the plant-based research transformation, it's a field where we need to do more. And if there's listeners out there that are looking to start a business or explore the plant-based um, agricultural manufacturing or come, come talk to us. Um, we're really interested in introducing you to those provinces. A big natural resources as well for Saskatchewan, because you talk about Alberta. We, I, I feel we always talk about Alberta when we talk about the prairies, but uh, Saskatchewan have the biggest reserve of potash in the world. And for guys like me that have been doing a lot of business with with China, I know that because potash is used enormously in the agricultural world uh, here in China, uh, particularly. 
and they're buying a huge amount of potash from Canada. So it's a big, big business that we we overlook sometimes. Big players in that in that field. Wheat. We're growing wheat in that in in, in those provinces, and and huge percentage of the export of Canada goes to those commodities. So um, rich provinces that we underlook uh, very often and are really worth looking when you think about immigration. Um, anything else that uh, comes to your mind when we talk about Alberta, Manitoba, Saskatchewan? Uh, rodeos. <laughs> In Alberta, yeah. And, it, and, and the cowboy's hat. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they're really they're really um, similar to some of, of the states that we see in the United States um, in their approach of society. And the Alberta got a lot of attention as well. Now that we're talking about climate change, because it's the biggest paradox of Canada. You know, at the time of recording this, we're just finishing COP26, and and Canada is often a bad player on the climate change initiative because we have Alberta that produces so much oil that is sold to. United States mainly, and used by us in Canada. And that's create challenges for Canada because we have this enormous industries of pulling out from the ground that black gold. And, and while you have Quebec provinces, Ontario provinces trying to find solutions to fight climate change, um, it's a dynamic in Canada that we cannot underlook um, because it's, it's affect politics, it's affect economy, um, it's affect jobs jobs creations and new immigrants attractions as well. So I think it's important that we talk about that duality that exists in Canada. And, and there will be a lot of opportunities as well for other listeners that wants to start businesses in what we call catching the CO2 emissions. So we have a lot of CO2 emissions in Alberta as a country. There will be some businesses that will come and technology revolutions that will come to curve that right and uh, i think if there's listeners out there i know in the middle east there's a lot of research being done about this if you are working for big multinational company that do research in this and you think you have this startup idea i hope that the programs that i'm about to present to you would be able to attract you and, and present a business plan to those provinces because they would be interested to hear it i am pretty convinced of it to start, we're going to go through the three provinces together, and we're going to start with Alberta. Alberta in general, it's the first place and it has the first holds the first place in the country for cattle exports. So it's very strong in cattle exports, also very strong on oil and gas. It's responsible for 70% of the oil and gas produced in Canada, which is actually pretty impressive when you think about it. And one thing about the immigration programs before I let Medshahit discuss them is that all the applications are done through what is called the AI and P portal. So it means Alberta Immigration Nominee Program. And they have this system. It's very well done. It's very, very simple to apply through this portal. So I think it's important to mention it. But to start, I'll give you the floor. What's the first program we're going to discuss in Alberta? Well, I think I want to talk about International Graduate Entrepreneur Immigration Stream. Um, the name says it. It's addressed to international graduates. So as most listeners would know, uh, there's, there's great school in Alberta, Manitoba, and, and Saskatchewan. And the university graduate from those schools can more or less graduate and start their own business. 
and that program is made for them. So what's the requirement for, for those students that wish to get started? So they have to have completed a minimum of two years of full-time education at a public ed- educational institution in Alberta that will lead to some sort of degree, right? And they would have to have six months of full-time employment experience in business administration or owning their own businesses. So they could have started a side business and running it, and now they want to stay to grow it. So that's really who it is focused towards to, is for those entrepreneurs that went to school in Alberta, graduated, started their business, or worked for six months in their business or another management position. And the third requirement is level seven English for CLB. And you can see that compared for other provinces, for example, the CLB level is quite higher. But at the same time, it's addressed to people that have graduated from universities or or college in in Alberta. So you would expect that those students already have a very high level of English by, by having achieved the degree or the years university required. And the business acquisition can be done by like creation a new business or simply acquiring a business. And there needs to be at least 37% ownership by the immigrants. So for example, if you have a, a graduate um, that would start his own business with classmate, for example, that's a, that's, that's a scenario that we could imagine if he planned to apply for immigration and stay and his co-business owner are all Canadian, the shareholder structure should be looked into at the very early stage in order to qualify for immigration purposes. So something to, to keep in mind. The, the, the next stream, it's what we call the self-employed former stream. Very different, completely different um, than the one we just talked. It's for experienced farmers who wish to immigrate to the province to run a farm. So we're looking at people that have been managing farms abroad, So you would need to make the proof that you are a farm owner abroad. It can be proven in various ways, like if they own the land, if they've been exploiting an import-export of agro-food, and they need to invest at least $500,000 Canadian. And this amount is key to this program, I believe, because for $500,000, you don't get a big farm in Alberta, Uh, even though we have, there's a lot of land. I think the the reality would be that an acquisition of a farm of around $1 million would be more appropriate. But something to be discussed, different scenario that can be looked, the minimum bar would be $500,000. And of course, it will take a business plan that will really show that you plan to purchase the farm and run it by yourself. And you need to be there. And I'll talk a little bit about it later on. But this program is really strict in that sense. It can be managed by someone else or by proxy. Uh, The person would need to come and run the farms. And that's a big part of this because we're talking about immigration and attractions of new population to certain provinces. And um, the third program that I want to discuss, and it's very interesting because it's also offered in different other provinces There's a lot of competition in that field between the province and Canada, as well as the federal government. It's what we call the startup visa stream. So this is for people that um, are qualified graduate students, just like we discussed at the International Graduate Entrepreneur Immigration Stream. And their, their wish is to start an innovative businesses. 
So they would really start a business that creates some sort of technology innovations. We're thinking about SaaS. We're thinking about researcher, you know, someone that, you know, do some research in their studies, in their master degrees or doctor degrees. They have found something that have an application commercially and they want to start their business commercialize that we want to keep those in Canada right so those programs are really towards them of course if you're a researcher abroad and you're you're thinking it could be interesting i think the federal program might be more appropriate for for that kind of newcomer the the foreign graduate startup visa is really for people that graduate from alberta university and retaining all those people that have been educated by the province you will need to make a business plan and a 10 minute presentation on your idea that's really important. And it's going to be reviewed by your peer. And I found it very interesting because there's the agency in Alberta that will be looking into this. The applicant will need to own 34% of the business if it's in an urban area. What we call urban area for Alberta, we would say Edmonton, Calgary. What do you think, Sonia? That's the two big cities in Alberta, isn't it? Exactly. I don't think a lot of people know any city outside of these two big cities in Alberta, actually. I would admit, if you ask me, I would not know. But um, Alberta and, uh, yeah, it's Calgary and Edmonton, two booming cities for years. But now that have more struggle during the years that the oil prices went down, a lot of new economies, a lot of investment have been done in tech business. And I was talking at, in, in the intro about Alberta trying to do, for example, technology and the climate change area in the sustainable industry of green energy um, and trying to find ways to catch, capture the CO2 emissions, for example. All those technologies, Alberta would welcome in very open harm. And, and that program would be cut for that kind of people if you come with a project that is in this area. Lots of money going there, lots of opportunities as well. So very welcomed in terms of industries for creating innovation. And I think it's important that we mention that. And you need a level seven CLB the Canadian language benchmark, which we mentioned before. Also, you could be fluent in French and English, but I think Alberta compared to Ontario, Quebec would, would attract more English-speaking people. And I'm sure there's a pocket of French-speaking in Alberta, but it's clearly not, less present than other, other provinces. Would you say that I missed anything, uh, Sonia? I think you covered everything very well, but I think that it's very well that you made the link in between that last program and what you said at the beginning, which is that right now, there are a lot of opportunities for innovation, especially with uh, the fact that climate change is very uh, into actuality and that we, you know, we need to act on it. So it's, it's a very good opportunity for newcomers to go into this province and to look into this opportunity. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and one thing we need to mention as well for the, the last programs, um, and I think there's a lot of opportunities in that in that area for, for graduate in Alberta, it's if you start your business, you need to look for the designated agency. So we can help you to connect with those agencies, talk to them, structure your business plan. This is something we also help in that sense. So it's very important that we look into who you're going to talk to. And before you submit your application, you need to get in touch with those designated agencies. A little bit like the startup visa program at the federal level. Well, you have designated entities that they are called. At the Alberta level for the innovation programs, you have what they call designated agency. And they're the one that will review and support you in your business. Uh, so it's important to look at that at that list as well and, and contact those partners because... 
as we mentioned, you would already be in Alberta if you qualify for these programs and you can reach out to them um, and they would know how to guide you in preparing a strong business plan that makes sense for, for this program. Well, I think that uh, resumes pretty well what we wanted to say about Alberta. So what do you say if we move on into Manitoba? Yeah, no, absolutely. Back on the east of the prairies, um, you have Manitoba. Talk to me a little bit about Manitoba, Sonia. What Manitoba is all about? Manitoba is a little less known, I'd, I'd say, in the Canadian scene because Although it's a pretty populous area, it's still the fifth most populous province. So you have a little over a million people in there. So that's not that much. The capital is uh, Winnipeg. I'm sure some of the audience have heard of this city before, but still it's very diverse and multicultural. So the official language in the province is English. But what's interesting is that the second most spoken language is Tagalog. And the third is French. All that to say that even though, like we've mentioned before, you know, there are two languages, you can speak French or English. English is much more spoken and understood and widespread in Manitoba compared to French. So that's what I know pretty much of Manitoba. Have you ever been to Manitoba? I haven't. Have you? You have, you've been? No, no, no. I must admit. And that, that's the thing with us. huh? As Canadians, we don't do this cross Canada trip uh, very often. So it's, um, it's very funny. And, and when you recruit abroad, uh, there's this, a sense of imposter. But I know that the, 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 the immigration community is very strong there. And like we will discuss, discuss the, the provincial nominee program today and the entrepreneur stream. But Manitoba have been across the prairies, most likely the most active recruiter of immigrants. And they were they were in the business for a long time. They've been recruiting here in China for many, many years. There's a lot of, uh, of companies that were promoting Manitoba. And there's a big alumni community of uh, Chinese students, for example, from the Winnipeg University. Uh, so it's something that people don't know that much. Uh, and like you said, uh, Tagalog is, the, is a big language. So there's a big Filipino community as well. Um, so that's important to mention. Absolutely. And it's definitely an underrated province because when you look at the numbers, Manitoba is like when you look at the cost of living, it's amongst the most affordable in Canada. Compared to the other provinces, Manitoba has the lowest housing prices. And still, though, you have a lot of opportunities in terms of resources. You have mining, forestry, agriculture, obviously, but you have transportation, energy, and tourism as well. So it's definitely something, yeah. not something to overlook when people in our audience are considering which province to immigrate to. So here we go. We have a commitment. We need to go to Manitoba now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, let's talk about the different programs that are available there. Let's jump right into it. Like we talked about Alberta earlier in this episode. Now, what Manitoba has to offer to new immigrants? Entrepreneur pathway. So if you want to start your business, so this is for a foreign applicant that really want to open their business in Manitoba. And the second stream would be the farm investment pathway. Third one would be the international students entrepreneur pilot. So those are the three programs that are addressed to entrepreneur provincial nominee program in, a, in Manitoba. The entrepreneur pathway, let's start with this. I think that's the most important one. So this is really for an entrepreneur that coming from abroad. It's been around for a long time. 
Uh, I, I really want to emphasize on this. There was a backlog of cases for a long time. So I, I want to tell potential applicants out there that they need to be aware that it can take years to process an Manitoba provincial nominee program for entrepreneurs because there was so many applications in the past and it takes time to process them. First of all, you need three years of management experience. Uh, you need to own 33 and that percent of the business. Uh, you need to submit, obviously, a business plan, which needs to be strong and prove the economic impact that you will have on the province. The investment, if you are doing it in Winnipeg, will have to be $250,000. And if you're outside Winnipeg, which is more or less the only big cosmopolitan area in the province, um, an investment of $150,000 would be required. Um, you need to have a, and this is important, that's different than the program that we had in Alberta, for example, you need to create full-time job for at least one residence of Manitoba. So there's one job creations requirements, um, minimum net worth, it's only half a million dollars. So this is why it's very popular. The, the threshold in terms of minimum assets is, is lower. So for people coming from Bangladesh, Vietnam, Algeria, Morocco, um, or different countries in Africa as well. Very interesting program to choose because the threshold is a bit lower in that sense. You need to speak English, but it's lower than Alberta programs. Again, we're talking about CLV5. And finally, a minimum education. You need education of a minimum uh, diploma, high school diploma. So the threshold in terms of education is not so high. Uh, they're not requiring you to have an university diploma. And the reason for this is very simple, huh, Sonia. Like we're talking to entrepreneurs. We're talking to people that will come to do business. So the old saying that the dropout university students is as good as any MIT students when it comes to creating businesses. Um, so we go with that trend in Canada in many of the entrepreneur field. I think that it's it's very interesting. I think it's the first time since you know we've started this podcast at least for me that i see a program where they only require a high school diploma and I, st i think that it's amazing because when you think about it people's experiences across the world are very different even if they only have a high school diploma it doesn't mean that they don't have the experience or the expertise required to have successful businesses even in canada yeah no exactly um the other programs that we mentioned earlier there's the, the farming investment pathways. And I think this is very interesting because I mentioned earlier that you have the farming industry, so the agro-food business. You acquire a farm and you, you, you export or, or sell the proceeds of your land. Um, and there would be other opportunities as well in growing, operating the farm and transforming the food into different products. And, and that could be opportunities as well. And I thought it was important to mention that. So minimum investment in Manitoba, $300,000. As you can see, very interesting here. If you buy a farm in Alberta, minimum investment, half a million dollar Canadian. In Manitoba, we're down to $300,000. Very simple because the land is, is cheaper. Um, it must be established in a farming business that is rural at Manitoba. It cannot be done in, in the suburb of, of Winnipeg, for example, but that goes without saying it's pretty simple. The investment must be in an eligible, tangible assets. So we're talking about real farm, real buildings, real tooling of 
processing a farm and managing it. And you need to show that you have minimum three years of property or farm management in your country of origin, provide a good business plan, which we help to review with you. And it's essential that you live on the farm. You cannot fake this. It's You need to buy the farms to come work on it. And I really insist on this because it's important for, for that program. And you need to demonstrate that you have a knowledge of farming. If you are a bank executive and you're just deciding to start your farm, I'm not saying it won't fly because you might have the management experience to run a business and a farm is business, but it's going to be harder for you than for the guys who've been operating a farm already or, or raising cattle or different model in that sense. So this is very important to highlight. So that's for the farming investor pathway. Finally, we have the third one, the International Student Entrepreneur Pilot Program. This is the equivalent of what we discussed before in terms of starting your own business once you have graduated from the um, university in Manitoba. So really for people that are already in school there, the age target is between 21 and 35 years old. Uh, you'll need to own at least 51% of the business. That's a very high threshold. So if you have business partner um, that are not immigrants, they would have to be only 49%. So they want to avoid uh, local people to own the business and only kind of doing a scheme where they're selling some of the shares. So that's important in that sense. You must sign a business performance agreement that will give you some requirements in the business and some obligations to fulfill. The net worth that you own will be analyzed. And that's a very interesting aspect of the Manitoba program will be analyzed in the potential for success for your business plan. So I give you an example. If you plan to start a business that requires a seed money of half a million dollars and your net assets are $100,000, you will need a strong financing project and, and plan, a strong financing plan to convince an officer that you can immigrate to Manitoba and, and, and start that business and be successful. So it, it would play in your credibility of creating the programs and qualifying for the program. Again, you need a seven-level uh, CLB in terms of English speaking or French speaking. Manitoba have more French speaking than their, the sisters in the prairies. So that would be a good destination for French speaking as well. And I'm pretty convinced that there's a lot of French community organization that can welcome people from French countries. So that would be interesting if you have farmers from Africa, for example, French-speaking countries in Africa. And uh, finally, you need to have a post-secondary two years done. So they don't require for the diploma, but they require a minimum of two years in university. So if you're dropping out of universities after two years, you could qualify. And um, it's for Manitoba residents. So you need to have the intentions to live and, and do your business in, in Manitoba. So that's very important as well. Um, that's more or less what it is. You want to talk to us a little bit about the fees? I, I think there's a, a nice few things to say about the fees. Sonia, what do you think? Well, when I look at the application fees, I think that there's a difference between these ones and the ones that we spoke about Ontario. As a matter of fact, if you look at the International Student Entrepreneur Pilot, it starts at $500, which I think is pretty affordable if you think about the fees. And there's the one for the Entrepreneur Pathway and Farm Investor Pathway. These start at $2,500, $2,500, which 
again, I think is affordable, especially when you consider that in Ontario, it's a thousand dollars or even $3,000 more than what it is in Manitoba. Yeah. And the reason for this is, is, is clear. It's a policy reason where you want the students to have real access to it uh, in terms of policymaking for the province. They want to retain the people that educated. And it's important we discuss that in the intro of this season. Canada have two systems in terms of the constitution competence. There's competence between the province and the federal government. And one of the provincial discipline is education, immigration it's managed by both. It's a dual dual management field. But for the education, it's really provincial. And so the province are paying for all those foreign students to come. They're already integrated in the society and they want to retain them. So they make it very accessible for students. And obviously, the students will have less money at coming out of school and they want to make it really affordable. So small $500. For the entrepreneurs, the investors, the farm buyers, $2,500 is, is still very cheap, but put the bar a bit higher so the applicant would be more serious. And, um, and the real fees, as you can imagine, for entrepreneur and farm investors is the business plan creations, showing their management experience, documenting that, documenting the small assets, you know, uh, $500,000 for the farmer. It would need to be proven. So it's also important that, and I didn't mention that, I'm coming back to just clarify about this. If you're investing $300,000 and you only have $500,000, the officer will want to make sure that you have the liquidity to make it happen. If you have one house and you're selling your one house and then you're making $300,000 investment about it, there's not much money left for living. And that's something I always tell my, my applicants. It, it's a minimum requirements. They, want, they don't want people to be blocked by those requirements necessarily. Um, they want people to apply, but in real life, in reality, you might need more than the minimum requirements, net assets, in order to justify the business plan that you're putting forward. And I always want to emphasize that. I always remind that to the clients. I'm so sorry for cutting you, but how much would you advise the people that are listening to us to have in bonus to that minimum? I always say that having a minimum of $1 million dollars of net assets, it's it's a good threshold. I think that's a, a more fair threshold in, in reality. You would be investing 30% into a farm, for example. So I think it's it makes sense that you would, um, or, or even more, because I also believe that $300,000 for a farm is not that much. So that's also part of the reality. If you want to have a chance of success, a credible chance of success, I believe having $1 million of net asset is is more credible. So I like to, to, to send this out there for, for potential applicant. What about you run us uh, this time about the application process? Uh, I think it's quite similar than the other programs in the prairies, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty similar. I think the only difference this time is that it's there's no portal like there is in Alberta. So it's really through this formal application process that you see in other provinces. So you ha you'd have to submit a declaration of interest by email. So for the international student entrepreneur pilot, you must first send an email to register for an information session. And then only when you go to this information session, then only you can submit your declaration of interest. So as you can see already, it's a little different from the portal. You have to do it by email. And then after you submit your declaration of interest, you will receive an invitation to apply. 
And then with that invitation to apply, you'll be able to complete your application online. Usually this is where companies like Frontier Immigration help you through the application process. And I'm sure Medshanet can discuss this a little bit once I'm done, because once you're done your application, obviously there's a little bit of time that you'll have to wait for your application to be processed. But once you're selected by the province, you can submit your application to Immigration Refugees Canada. Did I cover everything well? I think so. I think so. I think the last part maybe that is missing here is the federal visa landing paper aspect of it. Once you're chosen by the province, your chance of success are very high. The federal, it's very important. We, we didn't mention that enough in the other episode, but the difference between the province and the federal is the federal is always taking care of health and security review. And they look at to make sure that there is no criminal coming to Canada through their the, the immigration programs. They make sure that people would not come to Canada with a health burden, because like we always say, Canada have a universal medical system. So immigration is, is trying to avoid importing more burden on the social benefits of Canada, which is the universal health system. And this means that the federal will look into that. The business aspect, the economic aspect, the technology, the uh, creation of jobs is all looked by the province through that special units that you're sending the email to. Um, it's kind of surprising that Alberta kind of put their act together better than, than Manitoba. I, I must admit that. It's a small caveat for this program that they're still working with with the email systems. Uh, it's a bit surprising. So good, good, good highlight there, Sonia. Uh, let's talk about the Saskatchewan, the middle of the middle. Yeah, Saskatchewan, actually, again, a lot of it's not very mainstream compared to a lot of other provinces. However, it doesn't mean that it's not important. There's a fun fact about it. Uh, Saskatchewan produces 40% of the world's lentil production. I, for one, love lentil soup. It's like my favorite soup. My dad, when I was younger, would always make it. I love it. And I think it's a very interesting fact, but it's also the second most productive province right after Alberta, which means that, again, you have a lot of resources, but most they're very strong in agriculture. And we'll see in this one, it actually has two agriculture programs just to show how agriculture is important in the province. Obviously, you have mining, natural gas, but agriculture really has a central role compared to other uh, industries. And... Again, just like the prairies, the taxes are relatively lower. The province has one of the lowest unemployment rates in Canada. And I think because of that, it's very interesting for people that are looking into come, immigrating into that province to consider the fact that there's a job for everyone. It's pretty easy to find a job in there and to actually do something pretty profitable. That's good. That's good. Yeah, no, it's. I think it's a, it's a good cover up of um, a good cover. Uh, it's not a cover up. It's a good cover of of the province and and what it has to offer. There's three components that are offered to entrepreneurs and uh, that once are willing to relocate in Saskatchewan. I think the first one, like the other provinces, are what we call the entrepreneur applications um, in the Saskatchewan Immigration Nominee Program. And that requires, just like their, the neighbor, Manitoba, $500,000 of net assets. And very interesting uh, for this, this aspect of Saskatchewan program, it needs to be approved by a professional third party. 
So you're going to need to hire a big accounting firm um, that there's a list on the government websites. And you choose that web, that company that will assess and write a report about your net asset. So we need to prepare this report in advance and there's costs associated to that. This is not major, but it's still there. Applicant must be able to demonstrate that they accumulated a net worth through legal means, obviously, and that's the analysis will be done by the accounting firm we just mentioned. And we can verify at least 80% of this money that you, you, you're, you're showing. So it's very document-based, very document-oriented. The report needs to be prepared by those accountants. So professional that will prepare that. It's not something that you can just do on your own. You need to show a minimum of three years of management experience in the entrepreneur field. So that's very important as well. Within the last 10 years, in at the moment of submitting the EOI, and you have to have the applicants that are going to provide a business plan that shows an investment of $300,000 Canadian minimum if you're doing Regina or Saskatoon, the two agglomerations, and $200,000 if you're going to um, smaller communities in Saskatchewan. You will need to show that you own 33%. A lot of recurrent aspect to the programs in Manitoba, I believe, for, for this one. Um, so it's really a choice of, of the city where you want to establish yourself. I've seen a lot of applicants doing application in both programs uh, in the past because the, the, the qualification is different. But one big difference, one big difference is that if you're creating a job in Saskatchewan uh, for a new business in Saskatoon or Regina, you'll need to create two jobs. Very important. And if you're acquiring a business, you'll need to make sure that you have at least invested $1 million in order to purchase your, your business. Two very important requirements that make the bar a lot higher. So I thought this was important to highlight that. And the applicant would need to sign a business performance agreement with the government of Saskatchewan to make sure that they will come, run, and operate the business by themselves. Very important. What's the type of people that we're looking for? Well, obviously, it's not anyone that would be interested in immigrating into Saskatchewan to become an entrepreneur, but we're still looking for that kind of entrepreneur that's interested in obviously acquiring a business or opening one in Saskatchewan. It can be in any field. Obviously, the natural resources and the agriculture are pretty strong there, but I think what's the most important part of it is what kind of business th these people are looking to uh, start or acquire. It's, I think that's the most important part. What kind of business? So I'm throwing the ball back at you. What are the requirements yep. for the applicant's business? Yeah, so very important. I think that's, that's a key and you put your finger on it. Um, the business needs to be for profit. And that's the key for me. The business needs to be for profit. You need to open, run, or acquire a business that will make profits, and you're going to be earning profits. So that means that there will be officers coming and, and, and having a look at your business to make sure that there's no, no, no fake business going on out there. And that's very important for the Saskatchewan programs. And I've seen people promoting Saskatchewan PNP uh, with that half purpose as well. So that's why I was 
insisting on this for this one. Um, the applicant must own at least 33%, as we mentioned before, and the applicants will own less than one third of the business and make a minimum investment of $1 million uh, will be required. So the threshold here is a, a lot higher. And I love that because I do believe if you want to attract the right entrepreneurs, a million dollars is not that much money in 2021. And we're scared in Canada sometimes to put the bar at the right level. And I wish other provinces could take note of that requirement here, that $1 million is not too high of a threshold. And I say that with, with the experience of the business people I've been, I've been meeting. Um, if we move on for, because I know that um, our listener wants to hear as well, a, a lot of students out there that are thinking about staying in Canada and, and really looking into how can I stay in Saskatchewan now that I, I establish myself, maybe owns a property in the province, how can I make my stu studies a permanent plan, or even we see more and more students coming to Canada, choosing a province because of those permanent residency programs. So there's a program called International Graduate Entrepreneurs Stream in Saskatchewan. Same thing than we had in Alberta, same thing we have in Manitoba, very similar programs looking for applicants over 21 years old. So fresh graduate, um, strong English at level seven, CLB. The applicant must have a valid postgraduate work permit uh, for at least 24 months. So that's the, the typical students programs where you get your diploma, you work for 24 months, and now you're part of Canadian society. And we're like, don't go away, please stay. Uh, and this is really what this program is all about. Um, the candidate could start their own business as well in this one. And that's the requirements. Start your own business in order to become an international graduate entrepreneur. The, the title says it. And um, they will need to demonstrate that the business generate a minimum amount of revenues of $21,000. So that's very interesting. It's really, they're really business oriented in Saskatchewan. I was really surprised when we reviewed this program. They have higher threshold, very clear threshold that are publicly Potentially, the other province have similar threshold that they, they have a checklist that they look into. But here is really clear. The bar is there. You need to produce $21,000 as a minimum um, salary or dividends from the business that the students would pay itself. And this is a really good program for those students to stick around. What's are the process in this case? I think it's very similar, but I would like to hear you um, in terms of the portal. How friendly was the portal to to apply for Saskatchewan PNP? So what's great about Saskatchewan is that they have a very similar process to Alberta. So in Alberta, you have something that's called AINP and in Saskatchewan, it's basically the same thing. It's called Saskatchewan Immigration Nominee Portal. And in this portal, you can apply to all of their programs. So we first spoke about entrepreneur application of the Saskatchewan nominee program. And now we have the International Graduate Entrepreneur Stream Saskatchewan Immigrant Nominee Program. That's, I, those are such long names, but uh, I, know, I think I that I, I still think that regardless of their unusual long names, the application program is very, very friendly. So they offer you online self-assessment. So you're able to see by yourself, you have these tools where you can complete a quiz and see if you meet all the requirements to apply to your program in the first place, which I think is a very good tool because not everyone has the resources or the time to check or don't, don't even know if like they meet the requirement themselves. So it's very nice to have this tool that is provided by the Saskatchewan government to see if you meet the requirements. And once you are sure that, you know, you have all the requirements, then 
you will actually, you know, you apply through the portal and then Saskatchewan government sends you an invitation to apply uh, who are selected in their system based on their score on, they have a point criteria grid. So that's how they invite you to actually apply. And then you go through a business establishment. So you need to operate your business and establish your proposed business in Saskatchewan. And then comes the permanent residence and the establishment. So that overall, I think, summarizes the application process. I don't know if I've led this. It's really a temporary work permit program that leads to the permanent residency. So they're really trying to retain the students, retain the immigrants, and make sure that the business commitment is realized. So I think that's very interesting that you highlight that and that their, their portal is working so well. Um, one thing that we didn't cover yet, and it was uh, similar to Manitoba and Alberta, they have a farming PNP program as well, where you need to show that you have half a million dollars net assets, um, and you're going to have all the same requirements in terms of proving it. But if you can prove that you're going to buy a farm of $150,000, so you need to invest minimum $150,000 and owns 33% of the farm. So you can share it with other applicants, other local people. Um, applicant proposing a partnership farming operation who will own less than one third of the business must show that they have value investment of $1 million. So you could buy like a mega farm of $5 million and then go on the 33%. That's very important. But what is very important to mention because the requirements are quite similar to other provinces in the region, they have a young farmer stream. And what is that, Sonia? Can you tell a little bit more about the young farmer stream? Because I think this is really innovative from Saskatchewan. And I, I want to spend a few minutes to discuss it. I think, honestly, when I was doing research about the immigration programs with my colleagues, I thought that I was very interested that contrarily to the other, the two other prairies provinces, Saskatchewan was offering two streams. So you have the regular one, but you have one that is concentrated for young farmers. So young farmers, according to Saskatchewan program, it's applicants under 40 years of age. So you must be under 40 years old. And I think that it's honestly, it's amazing that they did this because they really give a chance to young farmers and they really target them to come to Saskatchewan. And that's what Canada is looking for. They're looking for young people that will have families. And I think, I think that it's a great uh, thing that they've done. And it's very innovative. They went a one step further than the other provinces. And I really think that it was a good move from them. Yeah. And you have a threshold at 40 years old. So it's for applicant that would be less than 40 years old. And, and they make the requirements a little bit less strict. Um, so for, for students that, uh, for example, have grown, grown up on a farm and been involved in the management um, of their parents' farm and would like to immigrate themselves in Canada and acquire a farm there, I think that would be a stream that could be looked into and, and a very niche opportunity that, that could apply for, for some of the students uh, coming from more rural part of the world. And what I like about those farming uh, programs and PNP programs in the prairies, and I want you to mention that, and maybe we can close on this, is that there's a great opportunities in the farming industry for, for people to come to Canada and biofarms with knowledge of products that we might not have in Canada. So not only they're bringing 
their cultural aspect and the impact and the value of the new immigrants and the economy, but also they're going to produce and take over some farming that a lot of people are getting older in Canada and don't want to continue to be farming. So there's a lot of opportunity in that sense that I believe is, is great for new immigrants. And I always say Canada have one big problem to grow their economy. They're lacking people. And, this, and, and the prairies is the beautiful example of that. It's huge land of opportunities that lack people. And we're going out there and promote those provinces because we believe that people can settle there, run their business, acquire new businesses, and be successful. So thank you so much. I think we covered a lot of the programs available for new entrepreneurs around the world to consider. And we encourage you to get in touch with us at Frontier Immigrations to review the more particular, more specific questions you may have about those programs. Thank you so much, Sonia, again, for joining us and uh, covering those three provinces that is the center of Canada. Thank you and take care.